my practice at the moment is really self-love. And I think that self-love is really kind of like a prerequisite to at some point having a relationship with another person. Hi, and welcome back to Late Bloom in Love, the podcast about finding love when it's about blooming time. I'm your host, Amanda Klang, and on this podcast, I talk with guests about love and relationships because I'm single and seeking love just like you may be, and frankly, I need advice and inspiration. That voice you heard off the top was Luce Beaulieu, a Montreal-based coach who specializes in supporting women who are going through menopause. She spoke with me about the importance of choosing yourself first before seeking a romantic partnership with another person. And she explains what self-love and self-compassion practices are, how to do them, and why they can be so helpful for women in midlife and for anyone really who wants to find a new romantic partner. My conversation with Luce Beaulieu is up next. Luce, welcome to Late Bloom in Love. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy you're here. Luce, you are a menopause transition coach and Late Bloom in Love is a podcast focused on overcoming the barriers to finding love at any age. I kind of think Late Bloomin' starts anytime after 30 because when I turned 30, that was the oldest I have ever felt in my life. I was having a very early midlife crisis. So that, that's my thinking. And menopause is a period of a woman's life that can start really anytime 30s and onward. And it's not something that I've talked about on this podcast before. So I'm really glad you're here to talk about it. And maybe you could start by explaining what a menopause transition coach is. Mm-hmm. It's a really good question. Uh, and I get I do get it a lot. And I acknowledge that in Canada, it's not something that really um, exists that much. It's something that uh, exists more like in Great Britain, also in Australia, where they're kind of like a little bit in front of us in terms of like menopause awareness. Mm. And uh, so basically what I do is I really help and support women who are going through this really, really important life transition um, so that it's easier on them. Because the reality is that we don't really have these discussions around what is menopause or perimenopause? What are the symptoms? You know, what are you likely to have or not have, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so women arrive in this phase of life with very little to no information. So they're not prepared. Um, And then suddenly they start having these symptoms that can be, you know, emotional, physical, you know, mental, and they, they're just caught kind of like gears and headlights. Right. Um, And they think, you know, many, many of my clients, for example, and many women I speak with think that they're going crazy, that there's something really wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they go to their doctor to have some answers. And unfortunately, um, it's not really part of the doctor's curriculum to be really diving into 
uh, feminine health to start with, Mm -hmm. even less in terms of menopause. And so the doctors can't really help them either. And so, you know, there's this sort of like circle of kind of like a little bit circle of madness without any kind of support or information that women, including myself, Mm -hmm. uh, find themselves in. And because I went through it and my transition was actually quite difficult um, and I was like desperately seeking for any kind of information or support, um, uh, it became clear to me that it was going to be part of my life's mission to be providing this kind of help and this kind of support for midlife and specifically for women mm-hmm. um, and as, and specifically for women who are having trouble in any yeah. capacity with this uh, important midlife transition. So that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like that would be very helpful to a lot of people. So keeping in mind the context of of this podcast conversation like the journey someone is taking and you know definitely I'm speaking to women I'm speaking a lot about women's experience seeking um a love relation connection intimacy maybe in the middle of this kind of storm that you're describing mm. uh, you know the sort of menopause change in life when all kinds of aspects of who we are is changing how we feel in our body how our our state of mind everything can become really unstable and like you say it can be really hard to find solutions to help us gain our balance mm-hmm. and i'm just curious in your experience how did that connect up with any of the issues of seeking love relationship connection intimacy how did those things connect for you yeah so um when my transition started i was actually in a partnership that ended very traumatically for me and created mm. kind of like an additional layer of uh, you know, severity to my symptoms. Yeah. So I was, and I still am single and I'm actually single by choice. Uh, so like I'm, I'm intentionally celibate is mm-hmm. how I like to describe it. And in terms of love connection, um, my practice at the moment is really self-love. Mm-hmm. And I think that self-love is really kind of like a prerequisite mm-hmm. to at some point having a relationship with another person. Um, you know, whether that's in a, you know, longer term or whether that's going to be in the next six months for me, I'm not sure at the moment. I mm-hmm. do know that for now, um, I'm, that's what I'm focusing on for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do desire to have a partnership mm-hmm. with a man at some point in my life. It's something that I do want. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my view of it has changed, ah. I would say largely due to the menopause transition, because whereas before when I was younger, um, I think I saw it as something that was going to be, um, you know, that I that I needed to work towards and strive for and sacrifice for. And it was like a large part of like, my, my, the, the things that I was thinking about is like, you know, am I going to be attractive to somebody? Is my partner still in love with me? So I was putting a lot of mental an emotional labor into whoever I was or was not yet in partnership with. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like, wow, I've put like so much time and effort um, into, into another person and probably not enough on, on me and Uh on loving myself and loving like my, my inner child um, and all my different internal parts. And that's when um, I had that opportunity during my menopause transition to really focus on me and really focus on my self-love. And that has been like a transformational practice 
um, that I really recommend to to anyone really, but especially to women who are, you know, in midlife, um, they might be, you know, as as do I, desiring a partnership. Mm-hmm. I think that I will eventually be a much better partner mm-hmm. to another person because I'm a better partner to myself. Right. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Can you, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can you describe, you, you've you used the word practice, I think a couple yes. of times. Um, so can you describe some of the practices that you used for yourself and that I'm guessing you use with your clients? Yes, absolutely. One of my biggest life-changing practices is self-compassion. Mm. So self-compassion is, so compassion in general is something that we might generally have for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're a parent, like for your children, for people in your family, for your friends, et cetera, or even coworkers. But it's something that I never necessarily, uh, and I'm going to speak for myself and not generalize, but it's something that I didn't necessarily have for myself so much. Um, I was very hard on myself. I was very judgmental of myself and of my performance or how I showed up in the world. And I realized that that was undermining like a lot of things that I was trying to be and trying to do in the world. And so one of the things that I started doing is really do these self-compassion practices that uh, Kristen Neff puts out on her website Has these free resources. And if you don't know Kristen Neff, she's incredible. She's uh, one of the most well-known researchers on the topic of compassion Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. self-compassion. And so I love her and I love literally everything she has to offer. So I did a lot of those self-compassion um, meditations. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of self-compassion uh, exercises also mm-hmm. uh, for myself. So that was one thing. Um, and then I, I I decided to dive into a lot of self-love practices. Ah. And that can look very differently to, you know, to different people. But for me, what I started doing is really reconnecting with my body because mm-hmm. I realized that I was very, that, one of some of my trauma responses, one of them is flight Mm -hmm. and flight can show up as constantly being busy and constantly kind of looking towards the future um, Mm -hmm. for some kind of like um, satisfaction and never really getting it right. Because Mm -hmm. the future and what's coming is never really necessarily aligned with your desires. Um, And another one was uh, dissociation. So I would kind of like dissociate from my body and from my feelings, because it was just too painful to be connected to all these things. Mm -hmm. And so as I was starting to reconnect with my body, there was a lot of uncomfortable feelings and sensations that were coming up. Um, But I decided that as I was going to be staying with it through other practices um, that are more like in the realm of somatic experiencing, um, if if anybody knows what, what that is. So I decided to really stay with those sensations and to really reconnect with what was going on in my body. And one of the practices to, that I use for that is dance. Mm. I started dancing. Um, uh, so I do uh, ecstatic dance. I do five rhythms dance. Um, and literally any kind of dance workshop that I can actually attend, um, mm-hmm. I will because it movement through the body really just in a completely word wordless mm-hmm. and non-mental way allows you to really kind of like delve into your unconscious, delve into your body and really work through things that you could never, ever do with talk therapy or, you know, or writing or anything that is more mentally based. Mm. Um, It's not something that's accessible. It's only accessible through the body. So these are just two uh, examples. I have many, many more. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have, uh, and I, I, I really like to, uh, experiment with these practices for myself, but also for my clients, because one of the goals in my coaching relationships is to provide my clients with tools that they can experiment with. Right. Right. And I'll just say, I'm a little bit familiar with those forms of dance and they're a kind of dance you do not with a partner and it's not choreographed, right? You're just really responding yes. to the music, but it's often in a kind of a group that's being led, right? Yes. And, and the point also with, you mentioned somatic experience, it's really just to, to feel what's going on in your body, right? And be exactly. in your body instead of in your thoughts. Yes, exactly. Right. Right, right. And how does being in the body relate to self-love? Like what's the connection between those? Yeah. So our body, you know, I mean, I, I kind of like to think of it um, as we, we are kind of like two people or many more, we're more than that, but to kind of like simplify, we are our mental, like we have this person who is like, you know, talking in our heads and Mm -hmm. commenting on our life and things like that. And then we have our body, which is our vehicle, which is always working for us. You know, even when we're sleeping, even when the mental is actually shut down during the night, um, we have this body that is always breathing us, digesting the food, renewing the cells, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing all the things that we needed to do to, to be alive. And the body really keeps the score, which is also the title of a book about trauma. Mm-hmm. The body keeps the score. And so the everything, literally everything that happens to us is stored somewhere in the body, whether it's in tissues or muscles or in the organs or literally everything is, is in the body. And so when we connect or reconnect with our body, we are really reconnecting with the experiences that we might have disconnected from because they were too, you know, painful, um, or even just sensations, or even just feelings of overriding our capacity, because that mm-hmm. tends to happen a lot, especially when we get to midlife. And especially um, if we're women, we probably mm-hmm. have decades of, you know, chronic stress, um, you know, some kind of emotional distress that might have happened in our lives, maybe parenthood, uh, maybe we're starting to take care of like some elderly parents, et cetera, et cetera. And so that takes a toll um, on the body, which we tend to override mm-hmm. and, and kind of like push through and push, push, push. And so when we start to have this befriending, this refriending with the body mm-hmm. and this connection with the sensations and with what is actually happening in the body, we are essentially creating this new um, kind of like love connection with mm-hmm. ourselves with ourselves first, um, which is like so incredibly important. Um, mm-hmm. if we want to, you know, again, eventually have a, a, a relationship with another person. Yeah. Oh, I like it. On that note, I want to play something brief. This is from a short video and I'm going to explain the context after, but we hear a woman speaking. She is 61 as she's saying this, And I'll just say she's sitting um, in bikini underpants on a stool talking. You are incredibly attractive because you're you. Your body is incredibly attractive because it's yours. And you don't need to look at any ludicrous aesthetic standards set by anybody else. Live your life. Don't give a shit about what your body looks like. You know, you will absolutely find people who think you're the hottest thing out. I'm just going to explain a little bit more about that clip and who it was. Um... So it's a woman named Cindy Gallup. 
she was 61 when she said that, like I was saying, she's sitting there and, you know, in her bra and panties. And um, it was, a, it, she was doing an interview for a video series and it was called Style Like You and it was um, about self-acceptance. So, so uh, yeah, what, what's your, what's your response to that? Keeping in mind what we were just saying about self-love. Um, I mean, I love it. I think she's super badass. Uh, I love the message that she's she's carrying and that she's, um, you know, communicating to the world. And I totally agree. I agree. Like there's always nobody needs to have a perfect body or be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where um, a lot of women, you know, we fall prey to this idea of somehow being perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when we get to be in our forties and fifties, like two things, you know, many things can happen, but there, you know, what, what I see is there, there's two things. There's either like, um, oh my God, I'm aging. I'm old. Nobody's going to, going to want me, give me all the Botox and let's get me on in the gym and try and be perfect, even though I'm, you know, over 50, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's another category of women who will be like, Oh my God, I am so happy to not have that charge anymore to be perfect mm-hmm. because now there's like so much less emphasis on me as an older woman mm-hmm. to look a certain way or be perfect. So I'm just going to literally throw all that out of the window and just be myself for, right. for once, you know, right. and start being more myself. Right? right. Um, and I'm definitely in that second category of, you know, um, I really care about my health. I care mm-hmm. about how my body is functioning. Um, and I do care, you know, about my appearance. And at the same time, I really don't care what people think of me. And, you know, I have my, my hair is gray. I don't have any work done on my face and never will, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so. <laughs> and you're, you're in your early fifties, right? I'm in, I'm 51 and I'm really proud of my age, yeah. you know, well, you look fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> And um, I love her message because it's true. Like we really should not care because there's always going to be at least one person, if not more than one person who will find us fabulous and fantastic. And they will find us fabulous and fantastic because we find ourselves fabulous and fantastic, Yes. which, you know, I'm going to circle it back to the self-love piece. Um, When we love ourselves, we give out this energy and we give out this vibe of like, I'm great. And you should think I'm great too, instead of being like super insecure and being like, am I going to get chosen? You know, you know, um, I'm more like I'm choosing myself and whoever else wants to choose me. That's great too. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta love yourself. And there's no reason not to, because like she says, and like you were saying there, we are lovable and we are desirable as we are and it's really the the first stop is for us the first step is for us to see it that way absolutely and I'm gonna add to that that you know you are the only person you're gonna spend the rest of your life with Mm. that's a given like I am my own best partner because I will I was born and I will die with myself so (laughs) I might as well make it official you know and (laughs) really and really enter you know, consciously in this relationship with myself first, yeah. right? Um, it's, there's something very powerful in, in that, you know, I remember when I was in my thirties, um, you know, I was never single for very long, but in between, you know, partnerships, I would always have this kind of anxiety of like, ah. am I going to have a partner? 
are they going to, you know, am I going to find love? Am I going to, and I was totally um, forgetting about, well, how do I love myself? And what are, what am I doing to provide that love for myself? And so what are some of the practices you would, you can suggest and that you would offer when you start working with a client and you just keeping in mind that, you know, and if someone is seeking out your, your services and support as they're going through menopause, they're in their forties or their fifties, we live in a society, you were kind of describing it a minute ago that really, um, conditions most women to worry very much about their physical appeal and are they beautiful enough or desirable enough to attract a partner Mm. and so as someone is sort of maybe maybe conscious of that conditioning and trying to uncondition themselves or maybe they haven't even figured that out yet Mm -hmm. but they're they're suffering from that because if if in that way of thinking when you are reaching middle age you're questioning your your value and your worth so what are some of the starting practices you would you can offer? You can offer somebody who might be approaching this process for themselves. Absolutely. So I'm I'm going to approach it from a perspective of somebody who probably you know eventually would like to find a partnership as well. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. where you're going. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so basically, I would I always start with the nervous system. So I would start by trying to evaluate with the person where and how they're getting dysregulated and in uh-huh. which state of, of dysregulation they usually go towards, right? Because some people will go towards anxiety, some people will go toward, towards anger, some people will have reactivities that will look like um, they will freeze and they won't be able to get out of freeze unless you know something happens. So all these situations can be happening. And the first part for me is always, mapping out what are the habitual reactivities that this person might have when Mm. they're feeling some kind of a distress, whether it's a mental distress or a physical distress. So Mm -hmm. so that's the first part. And then I would help them with various strategies to get back Mm -hmm. to a state of calm and regulation, because the reality is that you cannot make good decisions if you're dysregulated. Mm -hmm. So Mm. super important, you know, for anyone, but I think especially for somebody who eventually wants to have to be in a partnership is how can I get myself in a state of calm and regulation? Because that's going to be super useful when you're dating and mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship, because it's not something you, you can outsource to the other person. It's something that you need yeah. to take responsibility for and do for yourself. So that would be the first part is create this um, base of safety and knowledge about mm-hmm. various state of dysregulation, how we can back to calm and regulation. And then I think I would go, um, I would move into self-compassion for sure, because when we have compassion and grace for ourselves, then it's much easier again to have that in a partnership. And we, I don't think we should wait to be in a partnership to Mm. develop these muscles and to develop these practices, because Mm. when we're doing this on our own, it's so powerful. It just becomes at some point, it becomes who we are so that when we do end up connecting and meeting with that person, you know, we are already self-loving. We are already self-compassionate. And so we can be more loving and more compassionate with this person, probably attract another kind of person as well. Mm-hmm. So I think these practices are super useful um, in terms of, manif- you know, not manifesting, but a, but putting out a different kind of energy and making yeah. different kinds of choices 
of a partner than we would have done before. So I think it's kind of, I kind of like to think of it as groundwork for attracting that loving, incredible, you know, partnership that I think everyone, every human being wants. Um, And then um, I would probably weave that in with a lot of embodiment and somatic practices. Like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of dance. So I would probably, you know, uh, propose some, some, you know, some dancing on your own for five Mm. minutes every you know, every second day on some music that you like, that you think is sensual, and maybe imagine that you're dancing with your beautiful partner um, Mm. on that music. Um, And things like self-massage, this is something that I really love to do also for myself. Um, It's a practice that that, that actually originates from India. It's called Abhyanga. So it's basically taking some really nice hot oil um, Mm -hmm. and just massaging your whole body. Mm. some beautiful oil and you can mix some essential oils in that. And you're just like showing your body like this, this love and this care um, for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes or 20 minutes. It doesn't really matter. And it just really calms down uh, the nervous system. And then you can go into the shower to, to take the the oil off, but it's a really Mm -hmm. beautiful, calming, soothing practice that shows your, your body shows yourself like how much love you have. Um, right. your body. So mm. those are probably the, 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 the directions that I would go to with a person who would have that goal of attracting a wonderful partner in their life. Right. And I've got a question. Is, is there a difference between self-compassion practices and self-love practices? Mm-hmm. Like, how are they different if they are? That's a really good question. I, you know, uh, and I'm not looking towards the, the literature on that. I, but it's mm-hmm. just like for, you know, what I would say um, just off the bat is I think self, I would position self-compassion inside of self-love, mm. right? So because self-love can be so many things, you know, it can be, I'm going to eat well, I'm going to exercise in a way that is good for my body. I'm going mm-hmm. to take care of myself. I'm going to take care of my house, um, I'm going to do all these good things for myself and self-compassion um, for me, it falls under that umbrella, but also um, it's kind of like a, the motor or the fuel for all kinds of other self-love practices. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, I think you address this a little bit, but um, like, can you compare a little bit how you feel in your life today versus how you did maybe early, you know, when you were at the beginning of your own experience of menopause and Mm -hmm. before you had worked on yourself in this way. And uh, maybe, you know what, how do you see your own experiences and perspectives differently as as being different? Sorry. They're vastly different for sure. I mean, um, as I was entering, you know, I call it my initiation. Mm. Um, I was feeling, um, I mean, it was the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> mm. So there was kind of like that extra layer. Yeah. Yeah. I was feeling uh, completely dysregulated, totally overwhelmed. Um, I was suffering from the effects of, you know, decades of chronic stress. Um, yeah. I wasn't prioritizing myself. So I was fatigued. I was, I felt drained. So mm. I was not in a good place at all, at all. And then, you know, the, my descent into initiation started and I had all these symptoms and, and all these experiences. And at one point I even ended up being on burnout leave. Like I, I was literally right. out and not working completely exhausted, completely yeah. burnt out. 
um, from, from everything, you know? Um, and it's really through these practices um, and through prioritizing myself. And, and I'll put that also under self-love is yeah. instead of being number 12 or 15 on the list of priorities, yeah. I put myself first. Yeah. That was like the first step for me was prioritizing myself because mm-hmm. I, my cup was completely empty. Even if I had wanted to give something to, mm-hmm. to somebody else, I couldn't mm-hmm. have. And mm-hmm. I think that's another point with partnership is we have to make sure that our cup is full to be able to give from it to a partner or mm-hmm. to children or to family. And yeah. that's what I did over the last few years is I prioritized myself and I really dove into all these different practices so that I would be replenished. I would be thriving. I would be happy. Um, I took care of like so many issues. I did a lot, a lot of healing, a lot of different therapeutic modalities. Mm. Um, and, and I, I feel now to, to answer the second part of your question, um, I feel in a place of really deep anchoring, you know, I feel very anchored in my body, in my soul, in my emotions, um, mentally as well. You know, like I had a, (laughs) I had a period where my cognitive functions were, were impaired, you know, like I was Ah. getting words, Um, I was, you know, I was getting, you know, performance anxiety, which I never, I've never had in my career. Um, and with the help of, you know, hormonal therapy and with all the practices and all the rest that I also prioritize, I'm now at a point where my cognitive functions are back. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of that, Mm. of that initiation. And I feel more confident, happy, peaceful, um, radiant and thriving that, that I mm. ever felt, you know, and I count in there, my twenties, my thirties and my forties, I feel like I'm Amazing. in a new, incredible, um, chapter that I'm just like really looking forward to, to, you know, that I've already started, but that I'm just like really looking forward to. Oh, amazing. And so as this, would you say this has been a three-year process or two-year process? I would say it's probably like a two, two and a half year process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Before we go, I'm going to ask you to tell people how they can find you because you've got a great website and I know you've got all these amazing services you offer. But before we go there, I want to just invite you to explain something that you posted. I saw this in social media and I love this. You said, there's so much peace in knowing you will not miss out on what's meant for you. I guess you shared that. I don't think those were your words, (laughs) but thinking about, you're just talking about your excitement about what's to come in your life. And you feel sort of full of more joy and confidence and health and good energy now than ever. I mean, it really shows. I mean, I've only known you this period in this recent period and you're absolutely gorgeous and you do radiate. But what, what is that? I I read that um, after you posted it and that I found that so comforting. Yeah. There's so much peace in knowing you will not miss out on what's meant for you. Yeah. So just just unspool that a little bit, just unravel that a little bit. And then I want, I'm going to ask you to tell us to, where people can find you. Absolutely. Yeah, let's unpack it. Um, so it's funny that you you flashed on that because I posted it very intentionally. I posted mm. it as much for myself as for, you know, a lot of people that I know who are going yeah. through anxiety and, you know, heartbreak yeah. and things like that. Um, and I think it, you know, it, it definitely, it's definitely something that, um, is related to a deep held spiritual belief that Mm -hmm. things don't happen to me. They happen for me. Uh Right. Um, Mm -hmm. because 
I think before I probably was still in a bit of a victim mentality, you know, mm. like, oh, I had this trauma. Oh, my childhood, this, oh, you know, this person mm -hmm. did that thing to me. And I wasn't in my power, you know, and I'm not, mm -hmm. and I don't want to go, I don't want to mean that, you know, people are responsible for the things that happen, but mm -hmm. we are responsible. Once those things have happened, we're responsible yeah. for how we respond to yeah. the after effects and the impacts of those things and those mm -hmm. events. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the comfort in knowing that what is meant for me will not pass me by is also the comfort of knowing that I can get myself to a place of, you know, common regulation of joy, of love, mm. and mm. all those things will concur, will, sorry, not concur, but will um, intersect mm. and will actually uh, probably uh, impact the mm -hmm. events that are happening in my life, right? Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. much a question of where I'm at in terms of like my mindset, where my heart is at, where my, my peace is at and my nervous system, as much as it is, you know, the events that happen are not happening to me, but for me, therefore anything that is meant for me. And of course I meant that like good things, you know, yeah, good things. Yeah. 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 That are meant for me will not pass me by because they yeah. can't. Ah, I love it's it. It's not possible. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. if I relate that to partnership or to, you know, dating or whatever. Um, I used to have, as, as I think I mentioned, like a lot of anxiety around, will I find love? Will I have a good relationship, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I was always in this position of, am I going to be chosen mm -hmm. and not what am I choosing? What do I want? And what mm -hmm. is, what is good for me? Yeah. That's the mindset I'm, that I'm at now is, um, I'm not waiting to be chosen. Nice. That's the um, best. That's the best. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. Liz, just tell us uh, how how can people find you? Yeah, where where can they find you online? So online, um, I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook at emergence.co, um, and I also have a website which is again uh, emergence.co. So i m m e r g e n c e dot co. Excellent. I'll share that again in the extra and let people know uh, how to find you. And this has been a wonderful conversation. I feel all these good feelings you were describing. Um, and I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you're in this great space and that you're sharing with other people techniques for how they can get themselves there too. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really love being interviewed by you. You're a wonderful interviewer. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to to the rest of the rest of life yeah excellent okay take care thanks you too thanks so much to my guest this episode luce beaulieu you can find out more about her coaching work by visiting her website emergence.co that's i-m-m-e-r-g-e-n-c-e Dot co. You can also find out more about compassion researcher Kristen Neff at her website, selfcompassion.org. This has been Late Bloom in Love with me, your host, Amanda Klang. Thanks so much for joining me here. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Meanwhile, you can find out more about the show and catch up on past episodes at latebloominlove.com. 
That's Bloomin, B-L-O-O-M-I-N. You can also leave comments or questions there. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram pages, Late Bloomin' Love. Catch you next time.